0: And let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. It started out as just another ordinary day at work. Moses was doing the same thing he had done since he had fled Egypt. He was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep in the desert. But then he saw a bush that was on fire, and he heard the voice of God calling his name out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he responded, here I am. And God said, remove your sandals, for this is holy ground. How many times do you think Moses had passed that bush over the last 40 years? Day after day, month after month, year in and year out, he passed it time and time again. He always thought it was just a bush. But now he saw that it was on holy ground, it was always on holy ground. When you're discouraged with trying to do something significant with your life, or when you've been wounded by the very people you are trying to help, or when you are done with youthful dreams that now seem just so unrealistic, you can tell yourself you're going to just live a quiet life. Like Moses, you may marry, get a job, have children, and settle into a safe routine on ordinary ground. But this text claims that there is no such thing as ordinary ground. You always have been on holy ground. Our culture has accepted a distinction between sacred and secular. We think that church, mountaintops, and maybe family are sacred. Everything else is secular. But this distinction is completely unknown in the Bible, which considers all things God's creation and thus sacred. We can certainly profane the sacred, as we do with things like words and money, but it is still sacred by design. And in Jesus' day, the world was also falsely divided between the holy and unholy. The Hebrews thought that they were a holy people because they lived in a holy land, and the land was holy because it had a holy city in the midst of it, and the city was holy because it had a holy temple in the midst of it, and the temple was holy because in the midst of it was a sacred room called the Holy of Holies, where God met the high priest. But upon Jesus' death, the curtain of the holy, in the Holy of Holies was ripped from top to bottom by God, freeing the holiness to run out into every corner of the world. All ground is holy, and it's holy because it was all created by God and redeemed by the blood of Christ, so there is no place to run away from God or the holy dreams of your life. But even more importantly, until you see the holiness of your life as it is lived today, you will never be ready to receive the call of God. It's never just a bush, an office, a classroom, a minivan, or a lawn to be mowed. It's all holy ground. And, if you, you, and you have to see that before you're ready to do something for God. We don't go somewhere to find God. We see God at work in our lives and then follow where God leads. And after making this clear, God then told Moses, I, observed the, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt I have heard their cry on my account on account of their taskmaster I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them. And my guess is that when Moses heard God start speaking he got excited. I've seen the misery of my people god said and I have come down. Incredible words. Those who struggle under poverty violence and oppressive governments take heart. Those who feel trapped in despair, loneliness and lifestyles they hate, take heart. Those who suffer under the taskmasters of diseases that won't go away, grief, they cannot escape, relationships without intimacy, take heart. God has seen your affliction, heard your cries, and has come down to us. Is this not what the work of Jesus Christ is about as well? Is God not the God who has come down into the mess of this world, including the mess of our own making? Is this not the reason that Christians take heart? Yes, Moses thought. It's high time God got down here to straighten this out. But then the conversation took an interesting turn. So Moses, God continued. You go down to Pharaoh and bring my people out of there. We are the ones called to go down To the places where children look for reasons to hope, to the neighbor's house that's sorrowful, to workplaces that are tempted by cynicism, down into the messy places of life. But we go only as a witness to the deliverance God alone can bring and will bring by God's presence there. Moses responded to this calling by asking, who am I? And it's not a bad question. Who was this fugitive shepherd in the presence of Pharaoh? Who are you and I in the face of a world filled with need? You may say that you're just an accountant or a student trying to complete a degree or that you're retired and your years of productivity are behind you. But to these realistic objections, God's only reply was, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, it's just a shepherd's staff. It's what I've used all these years to lead sheep through the desert. You see where this is going? God was training Moses all of these years in the desert to lead God's people as a shepherd through the same ground. Nothing is wasted, not even the years of discouragement. And throw the staff on the ground, Moses, God commanded. And the staff immediately turned into a snake. Pick it up by the tail. Now, I don't know much about snakes, especially about handling snakes, but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to pick them up by the tail. it takes take a lot of faith to do that, which is exactly the point. For Moses, that staff represented something more than being a shepherd. It was a symbol of his struggle with the world. It was what he had picked up 40 years ago when he got fed up with making a difference and decided to just get a job. Most of us have picked up a few things along the way in life as well. Maybe it's a skill, a couple of degrees, a child or a dog or a cat. And whatever it is, we hold it tightly. We can even clutch it so tightly that we make a fist to shake at the harsh world and say... At least I have this going for me. At least I'm good at this. I'm an engineer, a parent, a good student. They can't take this away from me. And when we hold these things so tightly, they become our substitute saviors. But they're not good saviors. In fact, if you try to turn your job into a savior, it will always become your taskmaster. Whenever the disciples were frustrated with Jesus, which was often, they always went back to the fishing boats because... That's the thing they thought they could depend upon. But have you ever noticed that every time we find the disciples fishing, they aren't catching anything? (laughs) It wasn't until the Savior appeared and they discovered that they were on holy ground, that their job of being fishermen was transformed into their true work of being fishers for women and men. In life, we often start off thinking about what we're going to do for God. Yet when that doesn't work, the next plan, Plan B, is all about seeing that our calling is to witness what God is going to do through whatever we are holding in our hands. It's amazing how many people in the Bible have to go to Plan B. As we heard earlier this summer, Abraham's first plan was to fulfill the dream of a great nation by having a child with his wife's handmaid, Hagar. Moses' first plan was to kill the Egyptian taskmaster. David's plan A was to be a shepherd. Peter's plan A was to prevent Jesus from going to the cross. That's in the passage just before the one we got to in the gospel today. Paul's first plan was to evangelize to the Jews. But all of them had to go to plan B, which was God's plan all along. When our first plan doesn't work, You don't forget about your great dreams. Instead, you metaphorically go to a lonely place. You remember that you're on holy ground. You draw close to God. You become renewed in the dream as God's dream that God will accomplish. And you wait for plan B. And to be fair, some of you, some of us are up to plan X, Y, and Z by now, and that's okay. But you have to get off the hook for needing to be right the first time. Because that's hubris. It's one of the deadly sins. It does not matter how young or old you may be. God still has a plan for you. God loves you. And God is not nearly done with your life. Amen.